What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio app, and questgamingnetwork.com, and eh, pretty much any pod-catching device you so choose. You can get our RSS feed off of our website, questgamingnetwork.com, or elderscrollsofftherecord.com if you want to get there faster. Uh, today's record date is Freydas, the 22nd of Rain's Hand. Of course, our show is sponsored in part by Tweaked Audio, tweakedaudio.com. Hey, get your quality headphones, 30% off with our code off the record, and have them delivered to you for free, worldwide free shipping at tweakedaudio.com. And by Audible, download your free book today at audibletrial.com slash Network. If you want to hear more, go to audibletrial.com. Get your free audiobook today, folks. I am your host, fellow Tamriel Traveler and proud crusader, Evarwin. And I'm joined by uh, two fellows right here. Uh, number one, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, lo- I love the description you put in here, Mark. Uh, he hasn't drank milk since he discovered how to make mead. <laughs> Mike, the Tamrielic historian. That's right. It's going to be one of those nights. Oh, good Lord. I literally have half a glass left in one bottle of the wildflower that uh, cranberry mead that I made back in January. So I cracked open the last bottle and it aged very well in four months. Did it. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mike's gotten into the mead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good Lord. (laughs) I just it's hope the you're... only bottle of this batch that didn't explode, so <laughs> that makes it even better. <laughs> I just hope you're able to read. Okay, so we've got Mark, the Sonaris, the last crusader. I chose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got we've got a great show, folks. Uh, listen, you can listen, you can watch us live right here at uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash quest gaming network slash live. You can always email us at elder scrolls off the record at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at elder scrolls OTR. We've got a Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash elder scrolls off the record. Uh, Mike, if you could, sir, what are we doing today? Skyrim! <laughs> so today we are playing Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. We will be attempting to make a crusader in a game that has no classes. So our discussion topic is the crusader, past and future. We will be talking about crusades and the crusader through his- the history of. In the Sonaris archives, what are we fighting for? Uh, I really can't tell you. But, you know, Mark can. And what is the archetype of the Crusader? And we have some questions of the week and some uh, emails. Well, I got to tell you, um, <clears throat> this episode is uh, is sort of a uh, an amalgamation of, of time, uncertainty, and tons of info. <laughs> uh, time because... So much has changed on it, too. That's the funny part. It really yeah. has. It really has. Um we have had a lot of time, but we've had personal zero time 
to do uh, to actually put a, a lot of this show together. Um, so so we're going to be going off script quite a bit, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, a ton of info because we're going to be reaching back into a lot of different areas to present um, the Crusader to you. Uh, so 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 buckle up. It's going to be quite a ride. Now, usually what happens here is we sort of we sort of bust into uh, some discussion topics. But before we do that, um, of course, we've got uh, Jezeldar's uh, Two Moons Horoscope. Uh, Jezeldar, if you please. Ah, yes. Today we talk of men and myrrh wearing metal cans on their heads. A limited view from those tiny slits makes it easy for this one to pick your pocket, yes? It is a good thing for those tin cans that both Master and Secunda are wide awake this night. Perhaps some Nord mead would help with that, though. You should be careful with what you say and do today, for Tabella and Mara have met in the sky and strengthened their personal relationship. Woe is poor Jezeldar, should his wife and his mistress meet in this portent in the sky tonight. Anyone notice that Mike's Khajiiti accent got better when he drank? <laughs> <laughs> How much skooma is in that mead? <laughs> uh, no moon sugar in the mead, just honey and cranberries. Oh, ooh, maybe the bees fantastic. drank the moon sugar. I do not know. Good goodness. Uh, today's uh, one of the things. There's a, there's a, there's a very specific reason as to uh, why why we're doing this show um, in in Skyrim today. As as you know. Uh, today launches our first in a series of classes, which um, I think I know when we talked about it, guys. The idea was let's let's do one episode on a class every now and again, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we gonna just go full steam ahead and just start doing episodes on classes now, or do we still want to do that? Just one episode every now and again on a class. I think one episode every now and again on a class, uh, because there are a lot of topics we still want to cover. Sure. But there are, you know, so many amazing classes that we don't want to, you know, to to slight them out. Yeah. But with the upcoming yeah. uh, future of, uh, you know, Elder Scrolls Six, what's going on in ESO, you know, one of the things is to make sure that we cover enough of the historical topics that everybody feels that they can get something out of our podcast. Right. And uh, there was yeah. a huge announcement this week. Oh, yeah, so. which uh, I actually want to just briefly mention. Um, you know, in, in the interest of Elder Scrolls news, uh, we had a lot of information about um, oh, Elder Scrolls Legends, the uh, strategy card game, uh, came out from PAX East, from Bethesda. And uh, one of the classes that that they had announced was that uh, you could there's a Crusader card, which is really cool to see them go back to that. Not to mention like a whole bunch of other things. Uh, that that is a uh, a recall uh, back to the the old uh, the old versions the old the old single player versions of the game. Yeah. So um, the Crusader and, and these classes are are, be, are more relevant uh, this week than they've really ever have been in, in, in years. So it's actually kind of uh, good timing that we, we've had oh, this yeah. in a way. 
<laughs> and of course, you know, as uh, as we get closer to the release of the Dark Brotherhood, um, we'll have to do <laughs> we'll have to do a. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you just laugh. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna have to do one based on, around uh, the assassin class. So yeah, I'm thinking we got like four episodes of Dark Brotherhood in us. We have to oh, do yeah. at least one on the Night Mother, one on Sithis, one on the Dark Brotherhood, and one on the assassin class. Right. Mm-hmm. And regardless, in game, and thus has begun your uh, your crusade against the spiders of Skyrim. <laughs> There's always a crusade against the spiders. I hate those things. Uh, this is this is very true. This is very true. All right, so um, I'm playing. I am playing the standard Crusader in Skyrim right now. And one of the things I was wondering is, you know, these old classes in Skyrim. Like, can you can you actually? All right, you fire up Morrowind. You fire up Daggerfall. You fire up. Um, uh, wow, Arvel the Swift, you're a jerk. Uh, you, you fire up Oblivion, and sure, you can just. You can play them. They're right there. You just click on it and go. But in Skyrim, and even in Elder Scrolls Online, like, is that possible? Is it possible to, to, to do that? Is it possible to play as this class as other classes? Well, in the case of the Crusader, yes. And we're going to get into that. Um, but everything that you're seeing coming from my character right now is absolutely, even the flames, the flame magic, Yes, that is wholly the Crusader. And I was very surprised to read that um, Destruction Magic is in the Crusader's wheelhouse in Marwind and Oblivion. I I will get into my theories on that, you know, once we get to the archives. But, yeah, no, initially it would kind of surprise me, too. Yeah, because it's just such a mage thing. Like, you're wondering, like, you know, why the hell would that even, like, fall under, you know, like a... A knight. Basically, the crusader is described as a knight. Yeah. So that's yeah. Right. And, and a healer in that. And then, oh, by the way, fire. <laughs> yeah, destruction magic. Like why? It, it's it's very unusual. Well, Mark, we're, I'm looking forward to hearing your your comments about that. Um, let me just heal up real quick. All right. And then, uh, so so hello to the chat room. Uh, very very nice to to have you all here. Um, you'll have to excuse me for my crackly voice. Um, I'm doing the best that I can. However, uh, this week I actually got, um, uh, walking pneumonia this week and, uh, <laughs> it's been never one, fun. It's been one hell of a week. I swear to God. You're the walking pneumonia. Yeah. I, I got, <laughs> I've good Jesus. Uh, so that's why this episode is just kind of going to go off the script uh, a little bit, which may or may not be a good thing. I'm sure it's going to be fun for everyone. Um, okay. Discussion topic, right, Mike? Now, a lot of this you you had uh, you have thrown in. It looks like we've got stuff on the Crusader here from both Marwind and Oblivion. Yes. All right. Since I couldn't find Daggerfall, or at least I didn't decide to find Daggerfall because... Well, I can't get out of the damn dungeon to find anything. Hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. I got your back on that, actually. Um, <laughs> earlier today, I checked, and there, even though there is a knight class in Daggerfall, there is no crusader class in Daggerfall. Yes. So, so you're the all good. The knight class is something different. 
So it, it the night class exists then in o Daggerfall, Arena, Oblivion, and Morrowind. So it is something spe uh, specifically different from the Crusader. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, a, a knight a Crusader does not make. Just so you know. Some some knights are crusaders, but not all crusaders are knights. Correct. Or yes. vice versa. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, um, Mike, I mean, is there anything in regards to? Uh, I, I mean, from from the discussion topic here that that you've got planned out, it looks like the one thing you want to hit on are the the major uh, skills for for the crusader in Oblivion uh, and Morrowind. So we can look at the the. The attributes and the major skills. So the attributes are agility and strength in Morrowind and uh, strength and willpower in Oblivion. So there's been at least one change, but both of them have strength as a major um, uh, attribute. And then from there in Morrowind, we have major skills, a blunt weapon, a long blade, destruction magic, heavy armor, and block. And in Oblivion, we get athletics, blades, blunts, destruction magic, hand-to-hand, -hand, heavy armor, and restoration. So they've increased the um, number of major skills in by the time of Oblivion. So athletics has been added um, and uh, restoration has been added. But we still get the heavy armor, the destruction, the long blade, the blunt weapon, and uh, uh, block has been removed to be replaced by hand-to-hand, -hand, it looks like. All right. Uh, so, so from Marwin's standpoint right now, um, my my little my little crusader here, Cali. Uh, heavy armor, okay. Block with the shield, blunt weapon uh, with the with the mace. Um, she's she's there on that. I've got the uh, the the restoration ability on there as well. Uh, plus the plus the destru destruction magic as well with the with the flames. And in Morrowind, the uh, Crusader came with the spell Firebite, doing fire damage on touch. Fire damage on touch? Yep. That's cool. So, you mm -hmm. know, having your fire hands there, you know, your burning hands actually, you know, fits pretty well. It does, especially against undead. Yeah. But especially, like, unless you have the, um, the mod uh, unlock... Um, um, what's the first DLC now? Um, I'm blanking on it. Uh, first DLC for what? Uh, Skyrim. Dawnguard. Dawnguard, Dawnguard yeah. yes. There's a mod that allows you to unlock the restoration spells of Dawnguard uh, at the beginning. So you don't actually have to play all the way through Dawnguard to get all of the, you know, the Vampire's Bane and things like that. Um, so, you know, really having the fire skills and the destruction this early on really helps to give you that, that nightly feeling versus uh, having those locked away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Mike, moving into the Crusader for Oblivion. Now, now we have checked, the show has checked every single iteration of Elder Scrolls games. I even went into Elder Scrolls travel series to see if the Crusader was there. It is not. It only appears as a class in Morrowind and Oblivion. So in Oblivion, Mike, where where does the Crusader lie? What what are the the major skills and and whatnot? 
So a combatant who wields the power of brute strength and medicinal knowledge. Cheating death after every fight, they rely on their keen knowledge of restoration to fight yet again. So their attributes are strength and willpower. So strength was in Morrowind also. And then athletics, blunt, blade, destruction, hand-to-hand, -hand, heavy armor, and restoration. And um, so very similar things. The blunt, the blade, destruction, heavy armor. Uh, so there were some changes, but some of the core skills are still the same between the two. Okay. Uh, and again, you know, uh, he, here we are in in Skyrim, uh, fully capable of, of bringing this, this class of the Crusader together very, very seamlessly. I mean, it... it didn't take much. <laughs> oh no, you've got everything. I I got it all, you know, including what I I mean um it's it's crazy. Uh I'm just like looking over uh these these spells on on the notes here. Um even like down to alchemy in in Morrowind uh is something more than attainable here. Uh the only thing I got to say that that really lacks armorer you can do because that's blacksmithing in this game. Yeah, yep. uh, hand to hand is the only thing that's that's really missing. Um, hand to hand combat in this game is not really a viable option. Yeah, yeah, I and like that's even then, even then, it doesn't really improve that well. And I would say of the the different games, thinking through like you know the travel series and the uh, Daggerfall, uh, Skyrim would be one of the only ones of the the other series that we could have a crusade that you know would allow for a crusader and here's my theory as to why we see him in, we don't see it in daggerfall but we do see it in morrowind and oblivion and i think it has to do with the religious overtones that a crusader represents that a crusader is usually you know through historical means here and we'll get to that in a second somebody who's on a religious pilgrimage and fighting for their side on a religious conflict. That's just, and I'm very glad you 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 brought that up because um, when you say crusader, okay, uh, now you're talking about something that's extremely near and dear to my heart, and that crusader is a paladin. Uh, in in Dungeons and Dragons terms, a paladin uh, is the class that is the is the crusader. It is the Templar. It is the Knights Templar. Um, People, you know, I, I, it's something that I always aspire to. It's, uh, it's something I aspire to in, in every action, in every way that I am, especially when I'm at work, when I'm, I'm there to protect people. That is my first, my first order as a police officer is to, to protect both life and property. I always try and bring that feeling of a paladin to everyone that I come in contact with, and that that religious feeling comes through in either uh, Christianity for me, or if I get the sense that someone is not Christian or it really just doesn't matter, some form of spiritual hope or positivity. Um, but there are others out there that look at me and, and they, they say, you know, oh, you know, uh, you're supposed to be the righteous one. You're supposed to be a paladin. You're supposed to be a crusader. And, and Mike, when you say some form of religious overtone you got to ask yourself paladin of what what ideals do you uphold and represent certainly members of the church of satan could have paladins too and they would represent something diametrically opposite than the classic crusader the classic paladin would represent 
but they are still a paladin nonetheless because they uphold the ideas of some sort of belief that is greater than them in society. So that that is at the heart of a crusader. The other part, though, is that they're questing for that activity. So when you look at uh, Morrowind, you are the resurrection of the Neverine, you know, the association with the... um, uh, the temp- the tribunal temple, uh, you know, all of that kind of religious overtone that's associated with that game. And Oblivion, you know, Mayrun's Dagon, and uh, the um, uh, the return or the merging of uh, the, uh, um, I almost said Cold Harbor, <laughs> uh, of uh, Dagon's uh, realm. The dead, with, yeah. The uh, Deadlands. The Deadlands, yeah. yeah. Uh, with uh, Nern. And you're there, and eventually you end up, you know, having Martin become the uh, embodiment of um, uh, Akatosh. Yeah, that, uh, you know, this is, that's, you know, could be considered a holy war right there. And I'm really surprised ESO went with Templar over Crusader uh, because of the fact that you are trying to stop uh, uh, Molag Ball from uh, merging his realms. I agree. Well, I. I actually have a, I have something to say about that, but I think I'm going to save that part at least for uh, for the archives. Well, well, let me let um, me throw the, hold on, Mark. Let me just throw okay, this in yeah. for for just a second here. Um, now, Skyrim does have a religious component to it, and that is the um, the Thalmor's assault against. Um, so theoretically, the, you the could say that. Talos. Uh, uh, Ulfric No Cloak, I mean Stormcloak, is a crusader. Uh, what I ca- what I am saying, I mean that's I, you could you could say yes or no to that depending on on how you know uh, how you view it. Um, what I am saying though is that the crusader class, if they were to put classes in this game, the crusader class would make sense here because there there is there is some sort of you know re- religious um, uh, debate going on in Skyrim society uh, with the, the outlawing of Talos worship. Yep. Oh, yeah. But there are no classes here, so it's a moot yeah, point. It is a moot point. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so Mark, uh, was there something else that you wanted to throw out there? Well, well, I had been saying that, like, I have something to say about ESO, but I think I want to save that for the archives. But you mentioned the Paladin. And um, I find that it, it's an interesting thing to bring up because as I was looking over everything, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that when it comes down to it, the Crusader is the Tamrielic Paladin. Yeah. There is no other class that comes near to approaching it. I mean, and you have all those, all the staples of what is considered to be the classic Paladin from uh, D&D and, and whatnot. Um you have heavy armor, or, you know the the use of armor and weapons. And sorry, heavy armor. You got shields and martial weapons, martial uh, prowess. You have healing magic for yourself, uh, and honestly, the destruction the destruction magic works too because paladins have the ability to smite evil using their holy magic. Right. You know, you are you are taking out your uh, if you wanted to skin it, as it were. You could say that you are burning these uh, Draugr with holy flame, which so, is which is what I adore about the idea of holy flame being a part of the Crusader. 
yeah. in Skyrim. I never considered it before, and and going over the show today in the notes and finding and looking at that, it, it was so weird to me. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, wait, it does make sense if you think about the idea of holy flame, which is yeah. a recurring theme in um, in both the in, in in the Bible, the Torah, and the Quran. Uh, if you look at those. Oh yeah, pretty uh, my, much all most religions find fire as a sacred thing. So, yeah, and I mean it it really does work well that way. Uh, fire does cleanse. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it the definitely. Burns to ashes. <laughs> uh, Mike the liar is in our chat room, and he says, "So Moloch Ball could have a paladin, and yes, yes, actually, pretty much they the can." One thing that what was it third edition or fourth edition D and D really got away from was that your your paladin had to be lawful good. Yeah. Your paladin had to meet the the tenets of your church was the only requirement. Yeah. Fourth edition introduced the idea that any you could anyone could be you could have a paladin of any faith. Uh it no longer had to be you were a goodly knight. It was just, you know, bound to your know, lawful good you have to be lawful good, you have to follow this code and it was now you are just a holy warrior for your faith. Fifth edition's brought it back that you have to be a, a warrior for a goodly cause and instead you have to swear yourself to a moral code um whether it be focused on chivalry or getting uh, or gaining uh justice or vengeance for uh those who've been wronged by evil you you still need to be following good in some way mark you said vengeance. So, mark you said so vengeance. i can't be a paladin at all in our game not in the slightest <laughs> <laughs> Now, 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 Mark. Not to stop the show, but you said vengeance, but you didn't say it the right way. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <clears throat> vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Excuse me. I promised myself I wouldn't cough on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> oh God. Oh. Um, pneumonia for the win. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> good, good times. All right. Um, Mike, is there anything else that you want to finish up with before we move into the history of? I'm good. You good. All right, man. So let's, let's jump into the history of, uh, I'm dying to hear what you've got to say in regards to the crusader because, uh, flipping through the notes real quick. I've noticed that um, the the history of the Crusader and Elder Scrolls, uh, you you definitely tap into the the real world roots of what that is. Yes. So in the history, of, we're going to talk about the Crusader and the Crusaders in game. But I wanted to hit, you know, going all the way back to some of our first episodes together, the history of in relating to our history of our world, uh, because this really gets to the root of what a Crusader is. Uh, the Crusader is a modern ter- crusade is a modern term derived from the French crusade and the Spanish cruzada. In 1750, forms of the word crusade had established themselves in English, French, German, and the Oxford English Dic- Dictionary records its first use in English in 1757 by William Shenstone. When a crusader swore a vow to reach Jerusalem, they received a cloth cross, a crux, to be sewn onto their clo- clothing. This taking of the cross became associated with the entire journey, and the Crusaders saw themselves as undertaking an itir, a journey, or a preendigia deal, an armed pilgrimage. The inspiration of this Masonicism of the poor was 
an expected mass of apotheosis at Jerusalem. So these people have said, I am going to Jerusalem, and that was their pilgrimage, and they swore to make this a crusade. Right. The Crusaders... Okay, got it. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, The Crusaders influenced the attitude of the Western Church towards warfare, with the frequent calling of Crusades habitualizing the clergy to violence. They also sparked a debate about the legitimacy of seizing land and possessions from pagans on purely religious grounds that would resurface during the Age of Discovery in the 15th and 16th centuries. The needs of the Crusaders crusading stimulated secular government developments, not all of which were positive. Resources used in crusading could have been used by developing states for local and regional needs. Its power and prestige raised by the Crusaders and the Papal Tercia had greater control of the Western Church and extended the system of papal taxation through the ecclesiastical structure of the West. The systems of indulgences grew significantly in late medieval Europe, sparking the Protestant Reformation in the early 16th century. So, uh, Nicholson argues that the Christians of Western Europe considered the Muslims to be a terrible threat, but by increasing contact, the Crusades actually improved the perception of Islamic culture. The Crusades, alongside contact in Sicily and Spain, led to knowledge exchange. Christians learned new ideas from the Muslims in literature and hygiene. The Muslims also had classic Greek and Roman texts to their libraries, allowing Europe to rediscover pre-Christian philosophy. In contrast, the Muslim world took little from the Crusaders beyond military tactics and did not make any take any real interest in European culture until the 16th century. So, um, we can see what was going on here, and, you know, why, when I see the Crusader in, this, in these games, that, you know, the first thing that immediately sparks to my mind is the, you know, the pilgrimage and the holy wars, um, and to why, you know, this would be a holy type of knight character. Uh, so, okay. anything from you guys? Uh... Well, on the on the real world historical uh, Im- impact of of the Knights Templar uh, comes many many things uh, in our own in our own society. Um, number one, notwithstanding the modern banking system that wait, we have. I'm sorry, sorry, just time up for a second. I just got to ask. Wait, there's a chest back there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, there is a chest behind that waterfall. <laughs> um, we learn something new every day, guys. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> I, I, uh, stay tuned. I might blow your mind again. Because <laughs> uh, I think there's a chest over here, too, somewhere. Just double-checking. Uh, the modern banking system actually comes from the Knights Templar. Well, how, how could that be? How could that be? Well, it's actually quite simple. Um, the charge of the Knights Templar was to protect dignitaries going from Western Europe down the, the, uh, the Holy Road uh, to Jerusalem. And these people, that road was extremely dangerous. Uh, it was littered with bandits and, of course, uh, the enemy. So uh, taking valuables along this road uh, was, was problematic. Uh, caravans, which is how they traveled, and the Crusaders, the Templars, would protect these caravans, uh, were constantly under attack. So what the Knights Templar did was they created a system where your money in Western Europe meant your funds were available 
in Jerusalem. That system is something that we currently have today and has evolved. So that's one huge contribution that the Knights Templar um, has on on our uh, on our culture, our, our Western society today. Um, you know, as far as uh, their their relationship with uh, Muslims and and uh, Muslims' relationships with them. Of course, it was one of warfare. However, uh, speaking specifically of the Knights Templar, there is great respect for the uh, the fervor that Muslims showed toward their religion. And even when uh, Muslims were held uh, captive in uh, the Temple of David, which is the holiest of holy sites uh, for, for Jewish people on the Temple Mount, uh, which is the holiest site, known to those, all three religions, uh, known to carry the, the word of God or God itself, depending if you're talking to a Catholic or if you're talking to a Jewish person. Um, these uh, Muslims who were held captive there were allowed uh, to, to pray. They were allowed to pray to their God. Um, and, and this was a very, very different thing. This was not allowed in most uh in most situations where where you had war criminals war criminals back in that day were not even considered human trash they were they were barely even property uh, they were slaves essentially and to take a war criminal and to allow them such a right as to pray for their god uh was something that the knights templar had firmly established and said listen back off guys back off england france your generals, okay, stop picking on them, at least in this regard. And the answer was, well, why? And, and the answer, well, the question was, why? And the answer was, because they're praying to God, and that is why we are fighting this war in the first place. So the idea of having some form of rules of engagement, rules of war, which is so complex today and is what one of the uh, was what one of the things the United Nations sort of presides over in various forms actually comes at least in in theory and idea from the Knights Templar. It is one of the things that they sort of sowed the seeds of thought on. Uh, that's all I got for this. Uh, what about you, Mark? I, I really can't think of much more to add. Um, it's it's a very interesting thing to see brought over because I guess because of this real world connection where the Crusaders have this massive cause that they are fighting for, then when, it, when I initially saw the class being in, introduced into an Elder Scrolls game, I, I wasn't really sure how I that I saw actually how it fit because the fact is that there aren't really crusades as it were and it just always struck me that a crusader always felt like something that should be part of a a much larger much much larger organization or cause than just a single adventuring knight which again when you sort of look at it more as they are like a paladin it makes more sense um and yeah no i i think that it's it's a it's a very interesting, you know, sort of. Um, it's an interesting thing to be calling the class because it does have such weight in history, 
much more so than a paladin would. And it still has those holy overtone, uh, you know, those holy um, connotations with it, simply because it was involved in this, you know, religious warfare. You know, uh, uh, whether or not, you know, whether or not you agree with what was going on, um, then, and, <laughs> you know, whether or not you you, you agree with uh, the Templars or not, and frankly, there was good and bad on all sides. Um just basically, yeah, it, it just sort of brings forth this idea of someone who is bringing what they believe to be right to what they see as an enemy. So I just thought, I do find it was interesting that that's what they decided to call the class instead of going with the classic paladin. And maybe it's it's because it is more of a, it's almost more of a, you know what, no, that, okay, sorry, I was about to say it was more that they were bringing what they feel is right to a, uh, feel is right than a paladin who is doing their god's work. But no, technically the Crusaders were still doing what they felt God was doing. We wanted them to do. So, I, I never think, mind. I think the <laughs> distinction between uh, Elder Scrolls calling their class Crusader and Dungeons and Dragons and other folks calling their class Paladin, I think is just simply trying to make a distinction between the two intellectual properties. I, I think that's... I think when Bethesda says Crusader, I think they mean traditional Paladin that you've played in other games. Yeah. Um, well, to be yeah. honest. Uh I don't know. I sort of see the terms as synonymous. I, what do you think, Mike? Are they are they synonymous? Is there something I'm missing? Um I don't think that there is much difference other than you know, usually the crusader really I want to say the crusader is a limited time offer. You know, it's like <laughs> when you're on a crusade, you're a crusader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and when you're not, you would just be considered a knight. You know, it, it's that kind of like difference, in my opinion. That um, you know, you, in order to become a crusader, you literally have to have a crusade to go on. And official Elder Scrolls page, you know, popped in our chat room here says crusaders traditionally tie specific to having a crusade. <laughs> so mm -hmm. a paladin, you know is just a, a holy warrior it doesn't necessarily mean that they have at that point in time a crusade to be on um they can go on a crusade i guess uh, Liz, but liz's response is a paladin is a virgin version of the crusader oh <laughs> well uh <clears throat> you know i i don't necessarily think that that's um really you know, here or there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do, I, do we really want to start fighting Liz? Do we? No. She'll I, kill us all. I mean, are you gonna find? Are you gonna find a, a paladin and or a crusader? Um, you know, just just in whorehouses. Probably not. I think. Uh, no. <laughs> I think one of these folks would sit by your side and, and sort of say, like, I I I find. A person could be better uh, loving another person and sticking to that. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, does it mean they have to be a virgin? No. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, paladins don't make vows of chastity. That's what priests are for. <laughs> priests Maybe she meant it more as in like virgin olive oil. Maybe. Maybe. Fresh pressed. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, but I think that really comes down to, in my opinion, that they need a crusade to be on. And as we get to some of the books now, I think we're going to see that. 
I agree. Uh, all right. So, so Mike, where else are we? Uh, where else are we traveling with with this uh, this thought here? So, most of the books that I have come from, believe it or not, Oblivion and Morrowind. Ah. So, uh, the Knights of the Nine by Caroline of Solitude, the founding and breaking up of the original Knights of the Nine. Few people now remember the Knights of Nine, but in their time, they were famous throughout Cyrodiil. Indeed, throughout the Empire, for a brief period in the early days of the Septim Empire, their adventures were the talk of the land. For, but their renown, as with so much else, was swallowed up by the War of the Red Diamond. And today, even the location of their priory house has been lost to history. The Knights were founded by Sir Emil Lanus in Third Era 111, following his heroic turn in the War of the Isle with the high purpose of recovering the legendary Crusader's Relic, the weapons and armor of Pelendale Whitestrake, which has been lost for thousands of years. They were born out of the sense of optimism and ambition that characterized the first century of the Third Era. Tamriel was united and at peace for the first time in many centuries. Nothing was impossible. The fame of the Knights was established early when... Sir Emil led them against the worm of Elenglen to recover the cuirass of the Crusader, which has not been seen since the First Era. Soon the greatest knights of the day were lining up to join the new order, and the Priory of the Nine in the West Weald of Cyrodiil became a magnet for the great and good. The knights were the toast of the Empire. When Brendrick Lindell joined the order, the scion of one of the great noble families of Colovia, it was clear that the Knights of the Nine had become the Emperor's most prestigious knightly order. In relatively short order, the Knights reclaimed three more relics, and their fame soared to new heights with each one. No one doubted that they would eventually succeed in their quest to recover all eight relics. Sadly, this early promise of the Knights did not survive the ravages of the War of the Red Diamond, which tore apart the Empire beginning in the Third Era, 121. At first, it seemed that Sir Amal was able to keep his Knights out of the war, but the very success of the knights undermined this, as many of the knights came from important families from across the empire, which were lining up on either side of the bloody civil war. Sir Beric was apparently the first to leave the order to join the war on the side of Sephiroth, carrying the swords and greaves of the crusader into battle with him. Many other knights seemed to have left the order shortly after this, some joining the war on one side or the other. The end of the order was uh, ignominious, as its beginnings was glorious. Following the victory of Sephiroth Sefer in Third Era 127, Beric became an important figure on the winning side. It seemed likely that he was behind the Imperial Decree, which officially dissolved the Knights of the Nine in Third Era 131. Although in truth it was little more than a formality. Despite Sir Amel's best efforts, the Order had never recovered from the bitterness of the Civil War. What happened to the various relics originally recovered by the Knights of the Nine? The sword and the greaves went with Sir Beric, but where he bestowed them is unknown. The gauntlets famously lie immovable on the floor of the chapel of Stendar in Coral, where both Sir Casimir left them after his disgraceful murder of a beggar in Third Era 139. The location of the Curus is a mystery lost to history along with the eventual fate of Sir Amel, who was last reported still living among the empty priory of the Nine, as by a passing traveler in Third Era 150. And so the Knights of the Nine faded away into history. So 
once again, we have a, a holy quest, a righteous quest to recover the Crusaders' relics and an order that's formed and Crusaders that follow there and after. Mm. Amazing quest line, by the way, Knights of the Nine. I love that quest line. Um, oh, yeah. Mike, you got anything on this? Um, Just what I said there. Yeah. What about you, Mark? No, not really. No? Um, well, yeah, me either. Well, the only thing I could say is, you know what, uh, if you have Oblivion uh, and, and you have uh, Knights of the Nine and you haven't done the quest line yet, you really should give it a try. It's, it's pretty amazing. A lot of fun. Um, all right. Mike, please continue. So, Laura, the Song of Palindel, Volume 1. That he took the name Palindel was passing strange. No matter his later sorbics, which were many, that was an elvish name, and Palindel was a scourge on that race, and not much given to irony. Palindel was much too grim for that. Even in youth, he wore white hair, and trouble followed him. Perhaps his enemies named him Palindel of their own in their tongue but that is doubtful for it means glorious knight and he was neither to them certainly many others added to that name during his days in tamriel he was pelinel the white streak because of his left hand made of killing light he was pelinel the bloody for he drank it in victory he was pelinel insurgent because he gave the crusades a face he was pelinel in triumph as the words eventually became synonymous, and men-at-arms gave thanks to the eight when they saw his banner coming through war. He was Pelinel the, bl the blamer, for he was quick to admonish those allies of his that favored tactics that ran counter to his, that is, sword theory, and he was Pelinel the third, though whether it was because some said he was a, a god-geyser who was incarnated twice before already, or that simpler, he was the third version given to... Paraf Anon Alessia in her prayers of liberation before he walked among the quarters of the rebellion is unknown. So these are the songs of Pelinel Whitestrick, the uh, probably the first crusader. Hmm. So, volume four. Pelinel drove the sorcerer armies past the Niven, claiming all the eastern lands for the rebellion and of Paravinia and of Kine had to send her reign to wash the blood from the villages and forts that no longer flew Elliot banners, for the armies of men needed to make camps for them as they went forward. And he broke the doors open for the prisoners of Batache, with the slave queen flying on Morinus above them. And men called her Al-Esh for the first time. He entered a gate at, does not say, to win back the hearts of the thousand songs of Seror, a tribe now unknown but famous in those days, which the Aliads had stolen in the night, two thousand hands that he brought back as a wagon made of demon bones, whose wheels trailed the sound of women when ill at heart. Text lost here. And after the first pogrom, which consolidated the northern holdings for the men of Kreeth, he stood with white hair gone brown, with elf blood at the bridge of, of Heldon, where Paraf's falconers had sent for the Nords, and they, looking at him, said that Shore had returned. But he spat at their feet for profaning that name. He led them anyway into the heart of the Hinderland West to drive the Eliads inward towards the Tower of White Gold. 
a slow retreating circle that could not understand the power of men's sudden liberty and with fury ideas that brought. His mace crushed the thundernatch of Umarel, sent harriers on the rebellion's long march back to the south and east that carried Mornhest's breath of kind to Zuthras, the cleave, cleaver-cutting man, a need with a clumped name. For healing was the bull when for hearing when the bull had fallen in a volley of bird beaks, and of course at the councils of Scriff, where all of the Paravinia's armies and all of the Nords shook with fear at the storming of the white gold. So much so that Al Esh herself consulted de, considered con, consulted delay. Palinel grew furious and made names of Umriel, and made names of what cowards he thought he saw around him, and then made for the tower by himself. For Palinel often acted without thought. So, oh, Palinel was uh, quite the, <clears throat> quite the, uh, quite the crusader, huh? Yeah. The the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages has said in, in the uh, in the chat box, uh, that book. He's a time traveling robot. That's the uh, ultimate moral of the song of Penny uh, Palinel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, if the UESP says it, you can pretty much take it to the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Mike, uh, I mean, reaction on these texts. So, you know, once again, they are carried over stories from the uh, the first era. Um, you know, but it, it sets this crusader as a larger than life uh, figure that uh, through his actions and through his words, you know, inspired other people and men to you know to set forth in a holy war against an oppressor mark mm-hmm. yes what say you uh, honestly i i do think that this is a great example of sort of the good and the bad that you can get with a crusader it like the the unwavering devotion to the cause but at the same time, um, we can also see that the cause at times blinds Pelinal. Uh, and, you know, he's willing to just leave the entire army behind because, you know, I'm ready to attack, even if everyone else is sort of thinking this might not be the best thing to do right now. Ultimately, uh, that is that is the downfall of, you know, any, any crusader. Um, you sort of become blind to... Um... <clears throat> Uh, to reason, or you can be, you run the, the danger of, of that. And, uh, yeah, sure. I can definitely see that in, in Pelinal here. Um, Mike, uh, Redoran, I believe is what we're up to. Correct. The hope. of Yes. The so from, uh, one famous crusader to another here, uh, we get, uh, Shardy, a red guard crusader. She's a master trainer of block and she can be found in the courtyard of Buckmoth Legion Fort. She offers training in major training in long blades and heavy armor and wears an imperial steel cuirass matching pauldrons gauntlets and blue boots and she wears an imperial shield with matching belt and skirt she carries an imperial broadsword and up to 200 drakes now why do we mention her well in the book the hope for the Redoran, uh by Tyrell Nereth, a tale of a child blessed by a prophecy and the interpretation thereof uh, we actually meet her. Uh, so she's a character both in a book and found in Morrowind. So one of the few magical arts of the Sigics of Arteum 
have kept to themselves away from the common spells and schools of the Mages Guild is the gift of divination. Despite this, or perhaps because of it, omens and prophecies abound in Tamriel. Some of substance, others of pure folly, and still others so ambiguous as to be unverifiable. There are still other prophecies kept secret, from the prophecies of Drozigard of elsewhere and the Nerverine of Morrowind to the Elder Scrolls themselves. The Nord nobility have a tradition of having omens read for their children. In general, these readings are of the obscure variety. One of my acquaintances told me that her parents were told, for example, that their daughter would have her life rescued by a snake, and so gave her the name Serpentkin in a special ceremony. This young lady, Erica Valcor Serpentkin, was indeed saved by a snake many years later when an assassin creep, creeping on her stepped on a Dansworm Viper. Occasionally, omens seem to be almost purposefully misleading, as in Boethia had crafted them as traps. I recall one particular. Many years ago, a male child was born to the House of Rhetoran. It was a difficult birth, for the mother was delirious and near death by the time it was over. She chanted just as her son came into the world as she passed from it. Fortune had smiled on this day, not frowned. My child will be mighty in mind and in arm. He shall bring hope to House Rhetoran. Neither spell nor blade shall hurt the man, nor illness nor poison cause him harm. His blood shall never drop on the ground. The boy was named Andis. Was indeed extraordinary. He was never ill and never suffered so much as a scratch all through his childhood. He was also quite intelligent and strong, which combined with his invulnerability caused many to call him, as after his mother's omen, the Hope of Rhetoran. Of course, anyone who called the Hope of Rhetoran will eventually develop some talent or taint of impertinence, and it wasn't long before he had enemies. His, earth, his worst enemy was his cousin, Athan, who was born who had borne much abuse at the hands of Andis. Primarily among the grudges was that Athan had been sent to Rehad to complete his education at, and at Andis's inst instance. When Athan returned from Hammerfeld, it was because of the death of his father, who had also been a counselor of the house. Athan was old enough to take his seat in the council, but Andis claimed the seat as well saying that his cousin had been gone too long for Morwen and didn't understand politics as he did. The majority of the house agreed with Andis, wanting to see the hope of Redoran rise quickly. Athan exercised his right to combat his cousin to combat for exercised his right to combat his cousin for the seat. No one thought he had any chance of winning, of course. But the battle was scheduled to commence the following morn. Andis hoard and dined and drank with the counselors that night, confident that his place in the house was secure and the hope, the hopeful new dawn of House Redwin was rising. Athan retired to his castle with his friends, Andis's enemies, and his servants he had brought from Hammerfeld. Athan and his friends were discussing the duel morosely. When one of his old teachers, a warrior called Sardi, this is the person, came to the hall. She had grown quite proud of her student over the years in Hammerfeld, proud enough to accompany him across the empire to his family's lands, and wanted to know why they had so little confidence in his odds in the battle. They explained to her Andis's uncommon blessing and the nature of his mother's omen. 
If he can't be harmed by disease, poison, magicka, and his blood must never be spilt, what hope have I of ever besting him? cried Athan. Have you remembered nothing what I taught you? replied Sardi. Is there no weapon you can think of that will slay without blood? Are swords and spears and arrows the only items in your arsenal? Athan quickly realized the weapon Sardi was speaking of. But it seemed absurd, not only absurd, but pathetic and primitive. Still, it was the only hope he had. All that night, Sardi trained him in the art and technique, showing him the various swings and stances her people had developed in Albion Gora. Counterattacks, feigns, blocks imported from Yukuda, the classic ones, the two-handed grips, and the most ancient weapons in history. His, the cousins faced one another the next morning, and never have two combatants looked so unevenly matches, matched. Andis' entrance brought a great cheer, for not only was he much beloved as the hope of Redoran, but as his victory was a foregone conclusion, most wanted to be in good standing with him. His shining mail and blade drew admiration and awe. By contrast, Athan drew a gasp of surprise and only a smattering of polite applause. He appeared costumed and armed like a barbarian. As Sardi had suggested, Athan allowed Andrus to attack first. The hope of the veteran was eager to finish the battle and take the power he deserved quickly. The blade pushed by Andrus's mighty arm slashed across Athan's chest, but shallowly, and before it could be counterswung, Athan knocked it back with his own weapon. When Athan attacked and wounded Andis, the hope of the veteran was so surprised at being hurt for the first time in his life, he dropped his sword. The less said about the end of the battle, the better. Suffice it is to say that Athan, wielding a simple club, battered Andis to death without spilling a drop of blood. Athan took his father's seat as counselor, and it was then said that the hope is the omen referred to Athan, not Andis. After all, had Andis not tried to take the counselor's seat away from his cousin, Athan, being not so ambitious, might have never tried to get it. It can certainly be argued that way, I suppose. All right, so um, quite a quite a bit here uh, in regards to you know special characters who were crusaders in in the Elder Scrolls. Um, we've we've sort of looked at um, what. It, what the class actually is um, when when putting it together. It's seven major skills. It's specialty in combat. Uh, it appeared in, in Morrowind and Oblivion. It can be cr recreated in Skyrim. We also touched on uh, where the Crusader actually comes from, like the real-life uh, roots of, of the Crusader. Um, we're going to move on to um, Sonaris Archives. Uh, where now, Mike? I don't have the notes open in front of me. Uh, there, there, that was. You, did you have that any was other it books? for the books? Okay. Uh, there's a list of famous crusaders that are seen that can be found in game. If you want to cover them, if not, you know, yeah, people can yeah. find who, them as they go. Who else? I mean, who? What kind of NPCs are considered crusaders? Well, in ESO, there is a crusader, a crusader Delamar. Uh, it's a Redguard crusader who can be found just outside the entrance to Skyreach Catacombs. He requests your help to deal with the awakened undead inside the catacombs. Fits the category right there. Has a holy crusade for you to take part in. I, I find it interesting, again, now we, we brought it up earlier, but um, I think it's worth mentioning one more time. Why did they refer to the uh, class as the Templar and not the Crusader, I wonder? 
It's very interesting. I uh, well, we can talk about this one. I'll, I've got my theory for when we're into the archives, or we can go into it right now if you like. We can go into it right now. I mean, the rest of them are just a list of, you know, other people. I mean, because you do find crusaders. Most of them work in Morrowind for the Tribunal Temple, such as uh, Tharar Brainin, a Dunmer Crusader, or uh, Ortho Revel, a Dunmer Crusader. Uh, or in Oblivion, the probably the most famous one is Grump Gargash. She's an Orc Crusader and is found in Bruma's Fighters Guild. Uh, and... Uh, I believe she's the one that asks you to go on a quest with her uh, for the against the the Black Bow Bandits or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head. I haven't gotten that far in my recent game, but most of the rest of them are associated with the Knights of the Nine plugin. Uh, other than Sven the Ugly, a Nord Crusader found in the Anvil's Fighter Guild, <laughs> she hates Sven both winter ugly. and snow and prefers the warmer climate of the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sven. <laughs> All right. Um. So, so Mark, what what do you have on okay. on the Crusader here? What do you got? Well, um, you know what? I've been teasing it for the whole episode, so let's go straight into ESO. Um, okay. My theory behind the uh, using the Templar instead of the uh, Crusader is it's sort of on the they already had the 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 Sorcerer and the Dragon Knight. If they had named the third class the Crusader, you're already putting people straight into the um, heavily armored warrior again uh, uh, concept again. Instead, they refer to it as something, the Templar, which still brings up, uh, because we've discussed historically, ha- does have a connection to the Crusader. But at the same time, when you actually look, like if you want to play a cleric character, who you're a healer and that type of thing, and you... Want, you know, you go and play a Templar because of all the holy magic they have. They are the best healers in the game. However, I'm playing a character from the very beginning, all heavy armor, shield, sword. I have holy magic that I can use to get keep myself going, heal myself, heal my friends. I have the ability to burn my enemies with holy fire. What have I been playing from the very beginning of the game without ever really putting a name to it? Yeah, yeah, you're playing a crusader. I've been playing a crusader for, uh, uh, since early access began, and it's just been in doing this episode that I realized that when you look at what I've been doing, and in fact, my character has been going around specifically trying to find, you know, to ease the the suffering of the people who have been suffering because of the invasion of Molag Ball and the pointless warfare. So that's his crusade is to try and bring some sort of peace to the land. So. By all definitions of the class that we've discussed, that's exactly what I've been playing. Yeah. It's that s- simple to put it together. It absolutely is. And uh, I guess that's really that's really the, 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 the truest test here to see if it's easy enough to pin this class down, um, which is a, a classic class in, in mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls. Um, it's a... It goes back to Morrowind, of course. Um, I'm actually curious how do, how do you, how do you find it different to play Cali here as opposed to Paladin of Arwen? When they're uh, like, it's the same damn thing. Main... <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing. Destruction magic as well. No, no, that's the only difference. Um, but I, I don't. I gotta tell you, you know. Um, uh, 
I find it a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, freeing to be able to, you know, have the destruction magic in my arsenal, and uh, still and still consider that to be, you know, a crusader. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely, it definitely works. It, it sure does, and. I like it. it. It makes the class feel a little bit different than when I normally play it with my uh, my paladin character. But it's a nice ad- addition. Oh, it sure is. It just it feels good. Ten out of ten would play again. <laughs> ten out of ten <laughs> would play again. Look at this guy. He's just no. going after me on this. Okay, so here's a question for you guys. You know, on your your holy crusades. Um, you know, the traditional paladin from D&D always had the, uh, the paladin sword as one of the, the quest type of items and special artifacts. Uh, and uh, in Elder Scrolls here, one of the major lines for both games has been blunt. And we see that uh, Avarwin is using a mace here. You know, do you feel like you know, it, it's, it, it's a change from the traditional uh, weapon set? that you would expect from a more traditional fantasy uh, uh, game, having the blunt items? You know, I'm not a huge fan of of um, the uh, the blunt weapons. Uh, I'm using it here to to give a different gameplay feel uh, than than I normally get from using a sword. Uh, and there is a different there is a different combat feel to it. Um, but that being said, you know, don't forget, Carrying a sword, having a sword, the this, uh, the blade is one of the seven major skills that a crusader uh, can use in Marwind and yep. Oblivion. Um, I'm only using it on the on the stream today to sort of uh, make things visually a little bit different for for our YouTube viewers. Uh, but that's really. But I also it. believe in Knights of Nine, though. Uh, there's the sword and the mace, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So, you know, it's definitely struck me as, as one major difference between traditional knight paladin type of things from Dungeons and Dragons based thing to uniquely Elder Scrolls having the blunt weapons, having a holy mace, you know, as one of the two possibilities. Oh, even Blizzard uh, says that, you know, the, the traditional weapon of a paladin, uh, whether you're looking at Diablo 2 or you're looking at World of Warcraft, is a mace. Oh. So you're right. Yeah, so I mean... So it's only Dungeons & Dragons that's different then. Yeah, but even in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, in the older editions, clerics could only use blunt weapons. Yes, but the paladin had the sword. Mm-hmm. Paladin had the sword, but there was still that connection between holy warriors or, you know, the holy, uh, a holy warrior would usually use a, uh, a mace because paladins were still a super rare thing. yeah yeah uh all right mark what else you got um other than that i mean like when we're going through uh when we're (laughs) hey free horse (laughs) exactly Um, (laughs) i looked at the two i was like oh is it gonna say steal is he gonna steal somebody's horse there goes his crusader ship (laughs) (laughs) there goes my morality (laughs) um i was gonna say that uh when you actually um look at the games where the crusader does show up in morrowind yes you can like there are crusades you can do we we discussed like 
in uh, Oblivion, there's the Knights of the Nine Crusade. There's the Crusade against um, Maroon's Dagon. In, um, uh, sorry, in Morrowind, you have the cru- uh, but you have the the Crusade of becoming the Nerevarine, and you can either be fighting against the Tribunal or against House Dagoth, or however you want to approach it. In Skyrim, here you can be fighting for. The, you know, you, your crusade might be to end the civil war to bring peace to the empire, either or independence of Skyrim. It could be that you are uh, that you are fighting to preserve Talos, Talos worship. It could be you're, you're on the side of the Dominion for some reason, uh, trying to end Talos worship if you choose. Or of course, there's always joining the Dawn Guard and having a crusade against the vampires of the land. Oh yeah, which is probably the the most blatant crusade that you can partake of in Skyrim. And then marrying Serana. And then marrying Serana. If you have a mod for that. There's mods for that. There is mods for that. <laughs> there is mods. There is. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's there. So, you can see that in the games that they, in the single player games we've had re, uh, in the last while, being able to play a crusader, they always seem to have something in there that sort of encourages that type of of gameplay like you you can have that cause um that crusade if you want um and then of course as i said in eso we have something that also resembles being a crusade uh being a crusader you can easily replicate that in eso and that's a game with only three classes so you know that's i have to say is actually kind of impressive because again i hadn't realized i was even doing it i gotta tell you i'm i'm really impressed with with that idea um when we first concepted the how we're going to do these classes episodes and i do agree with you uh folks that um we need to sort of keep these class episodes like as a as a one-off sort of series where we do it once every every now and again um otherwise i think it's just going to get boring you know, if we keep it one every other couple of episodes, I think that's going to be exciting and fun. Yeah, I think I think that'll be the sweet spot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so but I, I did find it interesting that um, they introduced that this week. We did find out that for the upcoming Legends uh, game for Elder Scrolls, that of the three classes you're able to pick, one of them is the uh, is actually the Crusader. I thought off, that was, I thought that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious because I was not expecting them to do that. No, I, I, I don't think we had a lot of expectations for um, sort of like Elder Scrolls uh, purity. Uh, to, to, to coin like a terrible phrase, you know, Elder Scrolls purity. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like I guess, I guess uh, truism toward. Um, the the series and its history is, yeah. is probably the like. I guess we didn't have a lot of expectation for that because I mean, you're looking at what are you looking at? You're looking at a collectible card game. I mean, you know, you can get away with not necessarily doing things that are wholly un Elder Scrolls like, uh, or or I should say, wholly um, different from the series or breaking or nonconformist. I should say to the series. Because it's a completely different type of uh, game that the series is known for. So you could do it. But yet, mm-hmm. here they are respecting that. And I think that counts yeah. for quite a bit. I was very surprised and excited, I, too, when I saw that, too, Mark. 
I'm I'm interested in the fact that I I was looking through the cards they showed on the trailer, and you actually had like, of of course there were quite a number from ESO, which ESO and Skyrim, which makes sense. Those are the latest games and the most popular. Sure. But then I noticed cards of Baron Zaya's there. Yeah. Um, Gortwag, King of uh, of Orsinium in Daggerfall. But Mark, so, I heard for Baron Zaya, you got to get twenty four pieces before they'll give you the card. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Let's see how many people have actually done that. <laughs> I've done it once on seven different playthroughs. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it, but it takes forever. Is it? But, is yeah, it, I, is it? Uh, is it unbecoming of a uh, of a crusader to teabag this dude? Now that I finally have gotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I I think you've earned it. But besides, you're a crusader. Uh, I think that getting forgiveness for all your sins is part and parcel for uh, for what you're doing. <laughs> it's equally amusing as this is a female character. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not all right. So we won't call out the obvious. <laughs> Everybody's telling you to save now. Yes, yes, I, I indeed shall. <laughs> Look, see, I even, I do keep a sword on me right here. All right, um, Mark, anything else? Uh, no, that's pretty much uh, what I wanted to talk about. Everything else they had was sort of scattered throughout the rest of the episode. Great. All right, um, Mark, I want to stay on you for for the email that that we did receive. Uh, would you mind, please? Not a problem. Hey, hey, everyone. I was watching the 10-year Oblivion special on YouTube and heard of Arwen asking people to share Oblivion stories. Because I could not watch it live, I decided to instead write a story to you in a message. In 2006, I was at the beach with my, fa- my friend and his family. That day, my friend had a sudden burn that was bad enough that we decided to stay at the condo while his parents went down to the beach. Eventually, we ran out of things to do, so we decided to play his Xbox. When uh, deciding what game to play, my friend asked if I wanted to play Oblivion. I'd never heard of it, so we decided that he would play while I watched. I watched him play for hours. I was amazed at the concept of an RPG. Uh, The beauty of the landscape, combined with the pristine soundtrack by Jeremy Sewell, had me wanting more of this game. I bought a copy and played that game for years. Growing up, I had a rough childhood due to family issues. Oblivion became more than a game. It became uh, my place of solitude, an escape from the realities of a difficult home life. The music was beautiful. The music and the beautiful lighting in the game soothed me and took me to a place I could feel at peace. This day, I'll wake up on a Saturday morning and turn on, on Oblivion. I always feel this incredible nostalgia, nostalgia, warming, uh, and a warming sense of peace that kept me grounded during the rough years of my childhood. The soundtrack of Oblivion, as well as Skyrim and Morrowind, comprise most of the music that I listen to while driving or anywhere. I agree with Avarwin that this is uh, this that this is perhaps the greatest RPG ever made. Oblivion will forever have a special place in my life. Thanks for the great work, Monolite Two. Wow. Rhino, right? Quite the. Thank, uh... Yeah. Thank you for that amazing email. <laughs> yeah, I finally <laughs> did it. I knocked him off the bridge. <laughs> yeah. This is where you gotta have the foos, man. Got you, got yeah. Well, I haven't gotten there yet. But this yeah. is this is the this is the part that makes Skyrim the best. You just foos everybody everywhere. <laughs> bounce them right off. Foos you, foos you. <laughs> Getting back to the letter for a second, I just want to yes, say please. that 
that really is a, a very, uh, heart, you know, very amazing le uh, letter. And thank you for sharing that again with us. Um, and just, yeah, no, it, it's it's great that this series was able to help with difficult times. And, you know, it's, it's great to be able to find something like that. And... Um, yeah, no, it's just this is this is one of the reasons I love this uh, love this series. It just it, the games are just so enthralling that the, if you need that escape, it's there. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll I'll go as far as uh, you know to remind everyone that even um, you know Rob uh, Rage Philosophy he he says you know when when things go wrong he he runs to Elder Scrolls he runs to mm -hmm. Tamriel. Uh, yeah. And it's it's because of the absolute and utter escapism that Elder Scrolls games offer. And I admit the same myself that uh, one of the reasons why I just love this series is is because when things have gone wrong uh, for me in, in one area of my life or another, um, you know, I can just jump into an Elder Scrolls game and just sort of forget about absolutely everything because it's just so engrossing. It's so involving. It's so interesting. Um, you know, if I want to have a, a, an action-filled combat experience, I can. If I want to just sit back and just read a little bit about the lore, I can. Uh, if I want to just, you know, walk around and experience the environment, I can. You know, you can't... None of those things can be done in Queens of the Bronx. Not safely. <laughs> not safely. You know, uh, well, that's that's not true. I, I'm, I'm being a jerk when I say that. Maybe not about the Bronx, but... <laughs> unless, of course, you, you like observing prostitutes, you know. <laughs> it's a common sight in the Bronx, unfortunately. Tell me more of this Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to partake setting in that. for Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> <laughs> Elder Scrolls 6, the Bronx. <laughs> it's like Beastmastery through the portal of time. That's and right. time travel had nothing to do with that movie. I want to roll a pimp. <laughs> Spawning prostitutes left and right. <laughs> hey, my wares, perhaps. <laughs> hey, the hand-to-hand -hand skills finally working again. Oh my! <laughs> All right, folks, listen. Um, we uh, we have we have reached the end of our our wonderful show. Um, it kind of fell apart at the end of everything. It's, it's <laughs> I'm like I scrambling together as long as I could, guys. A whole <laughs> bottle of mead. <laughs> I'm I'm scrambling right now to pick up the pieces of the show that we just shattered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so um. It's always nice to know that our listeners in the Bronx have just had the greatest laugh of their life. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh. So thank you, thank you everyone for listening and for. Uh, the chat room for for joining us um mike and and of course mark you guys did a wonderful job today uh next episode of elder scrolls off the record is going to be next week uh crap i forgot to run in the notes well it's gonna be next friday is is the next episode of of elder scrolls off the record classic i believe is going to be uh the following friday though don't quote me on that we'll get back to you next week on elder scrolls off the record Next Elder Scrolls Off the Record, don't miss it, folks. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be fun. We've got um, 
uh, Dark Brotherhood announcements to talk about in Elder Scrolls Online, and tons of information about Elder Scrolls Legends. Uh, there is a beta out right now. We want to let you know that. Well, not out right now, but you can sign up for beta uh, for Elder Scrolls Legends. You can do that at uh, Bethesda.net. Follow the links on over. You'll be able to find it. Uh, you can hear our show on iTunes, of course, Stitcher Radio, QuestGamingNetwork.com, and you can experience it live right here on YouTube, YouTube.com slash QuestGamingNetwork slash live. Uh, you can follow our hosts on Twitter. Uh, Mike is at KDR Mickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. That's C-A-R-N-A-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. Uh, I'm Avarwin. You can follow me at Avarwin. That's E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Uh, and, of course, you can follow our show here at Elder Scrolls O-T-R. Uh, we're also on uh, Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Damn, that was a great episode. That was a fun one. What's the idea for for classic, uh, next episode of classic? I am really hoping that we can start talking about the Dark Sacrament. That sounds good to me. So let's do it. So everybody, make sure you go out, get your required reagents, a dagger, a skeleton, some human flesh, Ladies and gentlemen, the, the next series of classic, the next three episodes will be spent learning about the Dark Brotherhood. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you very much for listening, downloading, and for streaming classic Elder Scrolls. Time to say goodbye, starting with Mike. I want to say a big thank you to uh, the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the Elder Scrolls Wiki, the Imperial Library, uh, for all of the information and books that we read about tonight, and to all of our chat room for coming here and visiting with us. And don't forget, we are switching over in a few minutes after this with Dancing with Daggers. Yeah! Woo! QGN night forges on ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got 10 minutes before Dancing with Daggers starts up on the QGN Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash quest gaming network. Um, Fallout off the record recorded earlier, started at seven. Uh, their new episode is going to be up very soon. This episode will be up by tonight. So be sure to check that out. Dancing with Daggers, twitch.tv slash quest gaming network. Uh, more fun than fun can be had. If fun were to be had by something that is fun, this indeed is in fact fun <laughs> dancing with daggers stick them with the pointy end on twitch mark time to say goodbye my friend oh no this was this is a fun one i mean it was great discussions on things and you know on the crusader and the the paladin and everything else like that and yeah no i just i had a blast with this uh and i am looking forward to um to get you know to our uh, efforts on daggers we are heading into the imperial city and uh trying to do the main quest line so join us with that and if you couldn't well maybe next time absolutely later on in the weekend uh we also have <clears throat> uh warcraft off the record that is recording on sunday and uh if you go on our youtube channel you can view all of week one of Let's Be Heroes in Diablo 2. It's me, it's David Adams, 
is a triumphant return to Quest Gaming Network, and we do it the right way. We jump into Diablo 2, five episodes, 15 minutes apiece, every single day, Monday through Friday. Let's be heroes in Diablo 2. Week 1 is already up on our YouTube channel. Week 2 is going to start recording tomorrow, Saturday, live here youtube.com slash quest gaming network slash live week two records live on uh, on that day and then monday through friday next week at 10 a.m eastern you'll be able to see episodes six through ten in diablo 2 on let's be heroes i am avarwin take care everyone be safe and as always may the force be with you